0: broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Now, here's your host, Joe Moss.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of On the Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X. This show is presented by Embassy National Bank. We are a nationally chartered financial institution whose deposits are insured by the FDIC. On this show, we try to focus on topics designed to help small business succeed because at Embassy Bank, we're proud of how how we help small business. I'm Joe Moss, your host and President at Embassy National Bank, and we welcome you from the Subaru Gwinnett Studio. Um, today, we're going to talk about a very interesting topic, and uh, as I say, this is right on the money given where we are in today's world. We're going to talk about the cloud, and to do that, we've got Olivia Rose Jenkins. Hi, Olivia. How are you? Hi, Joe. I'm doing great. How Who are you? founder and CEO of cloud Secure, cloudsecure.com and uh, we're going to talk about her background. Uh, Cloud Secure uh, is a new company, so we'll probably spend a little time on why you decided to start it and uh, some of the thought that you went through, but mostly we're going to be talking about the cloud and its impact on small business. Sounds great. Glad to have you. So give us a little bit of background. You've been in this business, it says, for the last 15 years. Where do you come from and what are your, some of your experiences? Who you've worked for, etc.
0: Well, my roots uh, have been traditionally in marketing, and then I started working for Internet Security Systems (ISS) right here in our backyard in
1: Atlanta. They were founded out of Georgia Tech. Is that correct? Yes, by okay. Chris Klaus. Okay. Uh, Tom Noonan was the CEO. I worked for them in
0: 2002. Just got the the security bug. I just loved it. I just love the idea of just helping companies find gaps and and figuring out interesting ways to close the gaps and and the whole constant battle between, for lack of a better term, good versus bad. And of course, I'm on the good guy guy side. I worked for them for about five and a half years and I went into consulting. So my focus there was payment card industry, uh, PCI, helping companies uh, find where all that credit card data is Mm -hmm. and helping them remediate and meet PCI requirements uh, that were set forth by the credit card brands and also managed by the PCI Council. So I went to all these different types of companies nationwide, even global mm-hmm. at times. And it it was just a great experience. But I wanted to go to uh, something smaller when we were brought out by uh, IS- IBM. Mm-hmm. So I went to a company based in Omaha. I still stayed here in Atlanta area called Solutionary. Uh, they were bought out by NTT Data. I'm okay. oh, sorry, NTT uh, a couple of years ago. There I kept on in consulting and really just, Enjoyed my time, branched out into medical data protection, uh, helping organizations of all sizes basically safeguard themselves against risk. And there, I kind of just rose to the ranks and I came, uh, I left there about after about seven years, worked for a company local to Alpharetta, Georgia, called Control Scan. I was there for about an, a year and a quarter. Uh, I ran their security consulting services group. So all the cool stuff like uh, penetration testing, that, that's the hacking the, into the, the networks yeah, and our the environment worst nightmare that's correct <laughs>
1: but but the, you got it to be good at this business don't you have to think like a crook
0: yes which is what's great about it
1: yeah. <laughs> it's fun um and some of the people you work specifically at iss which is a great atlanta success story by the way they were masterminds at this stuff weren't they the the techie guys
0: absolutely well there are masterminds everywhere i've worked with many 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 masterminds who can hack into anything from anywhere. At, at any kind of trade show you go to, you would find these guys just for fun because they were bored trying to hack into the free internet stations that they have on the show floor. That's what they do. Brilliant. Uh,
1: should we all be worried about this hacking
0: thing? Well, uh, you've got the the good hackers and the bad hackers. You've got to draw big distinction between the two. The good hackers will help you find out where your weaknesses and vulnerabilities are so you can close them and protect yourself against hackers. Then you've got a lot of hackers who are the not working for the side of not so good, for evil intentions of theft or causing problems or espionage, just trying to get into your heads or causing issues, uh, trying to bring your website down, stealing your data. There's many reasons and purposes for it.
1: It can be as bad as just having evil intent, not trying to steal anything, just trying to take you down. They can do it for fun. They could do it uh, from their college dorm room. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Your teenage son in the basement.
1: That's the scary part. You see some of these shows (laughs) and they find the hacker and it's a little 12 year old in the in the basement. Um,
0: Different countries as well.
1: Yeah, that's now tell us about the cloud for all of us laymen or lay people out there. What is the cloud? When we hear the cloud, what does that mean?
0: So to the general layman, layman, what you have to know about the cloud is there are three main groups or types of cloud. Cloud, in a nutshell, I'm going to break it down really simply here. It basically means using another company's servers okay. and not your own. Okay. So when you do that, you are sharing space and capacity and capacity and uh, speed and all that good stuff, management with other companies. Now you can have your own cloud, uh, it's more expensive, but ideally to get the real benefits of cloud computing, you would share it, um, share the servers with other companies. That's very simply put.
1: So if I've got, a, if I'm a company and I have a server in my office, but then I technically have my own cloud, is that fair?
0: No, because you still have hardware. Okay. You're getting rid of the hardware. Okay. So you're getting rid of all the upfront costs of buying the hardware, buying the server, buying the firewalls, um, and so forth. you you're getting you're able to ramp up faster and you also have somebody else managing it for you. So you reduce a whole bunch of upfront costs and expertise that you need. So one of the biggest, things that come out of the, the cloud computing is that the way that, that IT staff, as it's traditionally known, instead of going driving down the street to the data center or going to the server or in your server room, instead of having the hands-on management of that, it's now in the hands of a shared hosting, or sorry, a, a cloud provider who will manage it for you. So the, the role of the IT staff is changing as well.
1: A lot of these companies, they're just providing storage and computing power, but they're not providing software.
0: That's where the three different types...
1: Okay, let's keep going then. Yeah. All right, okay. So
0: you've got uh, three different types, and and it's each end with AAS, as a service. Okay. You've got software as a service, you've got platform as a service, and then you have infrastructure as a service. The typical layman, if, if you're a lawyer and you're going on to, um, and you're using Dropbox, that's the software as a service. It's now, owned- they
1: have their own storage capability, Dropbox does. Exactly. Okay.
0: So they own and they manage it themselves. You can't touch it, basically. It's not yours, such as Salesforce. It's not your service. Okay. Then you've got platform as a service where you can have a little bit more input with it. You can develop your own code. You can build your own application. And you work with the tools that they have to create this platform. Then finally, you got infrastructure as a service. This is where you hear of the big guns out there, such as Amazon Web Services, AWS. You've got Google, Cloud Platform. You've got Microsoft Azure. And you've got a whole bunch of these. And these are the ones that have these massive, massive data centers all over the world. And they also play in the, they do a little bit more than just the hosting and the storage. They also let you uh, develop code import code, develop your own applications. Those are
1: the open platforms, I guess. Yes. Or open infrastructure.
0: Open infrastructures. Yeah. And they're they they're replacing IT as we know it
1: today. How big is Google? How, <laughs> how how do you fathom how big Google is? How many locations do they have? Is there a way to like put Google in perspective? Are they they're touching everybody all over the world now, right? Right. And where do they keep all their stuff? Is it in one place or no. is it all over the world?
0: No, because you want redundancy. Okay. So, the other, another great benefit of cloud computing is that if one data center goes down, they have so many different data centers globally that if it's set up correctly, it just flows over to the other ones. So, that's the that's the importance of setting it up with redundancy it helps you with incident response it helps you with uh, business continuity if you if you are breached or have an attack you don't need to worry about your system going down your website will just flow over to another server another data center Uh, let's
1: let's focus and there's a bunch of them like it but uh, dropbox is probably the the first i happen to use specifically a google drive which i Mm -hmm. think is a great product but dropbox how safe is dropbox if i've got data up there like my checking account data my all my financial data etc i keep my quicken file for example out on google how safe are these sites
0: oh you're giving me hives joe
1: (laughs) (laughs) are they safe or no
0: they'll say they're safe they'll say they're safe they go through assessments they are tested pretty regularly if you're using a big provider such as Google. I would probably, yeah, I, I would feel pretty comfortable. However, I would never keep my personal data, financial data like that anywhere that's in a cloud type of environment un- unless you're really checking out who you're hosting it with.
1: Okay. Because everybody's hackable.
0: Everybody's hackable in some way or another.
1: And you've got hackers out there that probably at one point work for Google. I mean, you hate to say it, but you know, mm-hmm. everybody kind of understands and and you saw where the government just recently was able to hack the iPhone. Yes. So, and I was wondering when that was coming. I thought, you know, why do they need iPhone's permission? Just go hack it yourself. But well, I they guess, probably
0: knew how to do it already, to be honest. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. <laughs> in my world, in my banking world, we have all of our data on, ultimately, on a cloud mm-hmm. uh, backed up by um, a company called Fiserv. They tell us it's safe. Mm-hmm. However, when I want to use something like Dropbox, the regulators will tell me that's not safe. I guess it really depends on the provider. Is that, is that fair?
0: It's easier, and I use the word easier on purpose, it's easier to trust a company such as Fiserv because you have trust in them as their customer for your bank that they have done their due diligence. There's no such thing as zero risk. You can't expect a company or or there to be zero risk anywhere. It's impossible because every single day new vulnerabilities emerge. What you can do is put trust in Fiserv that they have thoroughly validated their cloud hosting providers and whatever cloud solutions they're using and that they have in-house teams that monitor it on a 24-7, 365 basis and follow up on breach alerts and events and make sure that nobody's getting in to your data. That's under their responsibility.
1: And, you know, being a, uh, a community bank, we really don't have time to do all that stuff. So right. we're kind of just relying upon the fact that it's a big name and we're going to trust them to do with what they need to do. Right. Um, but let's talk about a um, uh, law firm. Since you mm-hmm. focus on law firms, probably a lot of law firms will go to a Google Drive or a Dropbox, I mm-hmm. would think. Correct. Now, Is that they a... Wouldn't. And they've got a lot of stuff out there. What do they need to do to make sure my stuff is safe with them?
0: Well, law firms are struggling nowadays, which is why I decided to focus on them first. I really enjoy working with small to medium law firms because they really need some help. Um, They traditionally have not been helped out a lot or have not paid much attention to security because that's not their key focus at all. Mm -hmm. So... Law firms that are using Dropbox, I was at a, a tech event, a lawyer tech event a couple of weeks ago, and lawyers were showing me right and left how on their cell phone, they can just do a four-digit password on their cell phone, and then they click on a link and they're into their Dropbox, and they store all their client files there and all that personal identifiable information, PII, um, and credit card data, and medical data if they're a malpractice. That's uh, scary. It's terrifying, and they're very... proud. They're very proud of it because they want ease. They want to eat. They're they're traveling a lot. They're working from home. They're on their iPad. They want to be able to just click a button and they're in. So I said, well, you trust you. This was a solo law firm owner. You trust you. But what about your three employees? And he said, well, I'm firing one in a few weeks. He just doesn't know it yet. And I said, does he have this access? Just boom, right into Dropbox. And he said, yes. And I said, well... You may want to consider going to your hotel room tonight and turning that off.
1: And that's interesting because not everybody's got controls in place when an employee leaves to change the password. I mean, we have, because who we are, we have a protocol we go through if somebody leaves or mm-hmm. if we ask somebody to leave. Um, but not everybody has that. now I would think a, a doctor's office, think of all the data a doctor's office has. Right. Some of them use Dropbox, I guess. I mean, there's not some kind of national medical cloud out there. So everybody's kind of saving it where they can. That's right.
0: Well, the idea is, is that you use the cloud and you use more secure uh, services. So if you want to use Dropbox, if you for some reason you're heavily attached to Dropbox, that's fine. But enhance it with additional security controls. Use encryption. Make sure you're using encryption. Make sure you're using two factor authentication, which means the person logging in has something they have and something they know or something they are. Uh, So it's two of the three. So, password and biometrics, for example, or password and a token that has the changing
1: uh, number. You're listening to On the Money. This is Joe Moss of Embassy National Bank. We're talking about cloud computing with Olivia. Rose Jenkins, I'm sorry, and um, (laughs) she just started Cloud Secure, and um, we, it's a little scary how, I'll say a little scary, how little we know about data storage.
0: Absolutely.
1: So anybody that has any kind of customer information that keeps it on the cloud is at risk.
0: I wouldn't say that. I would say any organization that transmits processes or stores any kind of data okay. sensitive data belonging to their clients employees so forth assets they're at risk so i'm, I'm broadening your statement
1: <laughs> okay and in and the, the old days we said well we'll just keep it on our hard drive and we didn't like that because it wasn't backed up mm-hmm. but and if it's just on your hard drive nobody can get at that because it's not connected to anything in the old days it was just your computer and uh, I guess we felt pretty safe with that. But they said, no, 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 we got to keep it backed up. So now we're going to move to collected storage on the, an in-house server. And now everybody's saying, no, 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 we don't like that. So we're going to go to the cloud. So in order to get all these benefits, though, we take a risk for someone being able to go grab it. Obviously, you believe the economics are, are such that there's a lot more to be gained by taking care of these efficiencies than worrying about the risk.
0: Well, there's, the risk is very low if you deploy it properly.
1: Okay. Because Well, not everybody's going to do that. If I'm thinking of a doctor, say four doctors in an office, the last thing they're probably thinking about is whether our data is secure. Right, which is why
0: I offer, if I can talk about this for a little bit. Sure. What absolutely. I do is I have a six-phrase process, which I'll go into very quickly. The first one is discovery, where I identify exactly what assets everyone is using. So you have a lot of iPads, a lot of iPhones, a lot of third-party devices, removable storage that I guarantee you don't know about that are connecting to your network wireless access points because employees like ease. They like to work easily. So they don't often think about the security perspective of things, aspects of things. So my first phase is discovery, finding out exactly what data you have, who has access to it, where is it, how, uh, why is it being stored? It's probably being stored unencrypted in, in some areas. The second part would be assessing the risk for all those items. I have seven areas where I typically focus on assessing the risk. So you can see where is your risk really lying when it comes to your company? Is it internal theft? Is it access? Is it storage? It could be all of the above. Transmission. uh, The third phase is designing the plan to close all those gaps. And part of that plan design is working through cloud solutions. There are several out there that are built just for the law firm industry, but there's several out there built for medical. Just for
1: medical as well, right? Just for medical,
0: exactly. Different industries. The fourth step would be to actually deploy, do that for you so it's secure. So essentially taking, if you have a 90% risk profile, the start of it, you're reducing your risk down to the green, the very low, educating your team. So part of uh, good security practices is constant reminders and security awareness training to your staff and all your users and even your clients just saying, change your password every 90 days and then enforce it, of course, with logical controls. But that's not done often enough. There's a very low across the board. Uh, security awareness knowledge. And the final step is to manage it going forward. So you need to do a checkup of your access rights. Who has access to what? Do a quick run through of all your your hard drives and making sure that nobody's brought in their own wireless access point because it makes their lives easier. So checking that on a regular basis and just saying, you know, you're still good or you know what? So-and-so should not be connecting from home using their iPad.
1: That's why when our CFO goes to a data security conference, she always comes back and said, "That's it. We're going back to uh, green bar ledger paper, pencils, and erasers."
0: <laughs> then you got paper storage issues. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and someone may grab that. We got to make sure it's shredded and everything else. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so if I l- let's go back to the doc. Okay, let's pick another one. Um. Uh, a hotelier runs a Hampton Inn. He's got customer records. Yes, he probably uses the uh, reservation system, et cetera, but they still have risks, don't they? They've, they've got to worry about where that data's going. Aren't they responsible to the actual customer?
0: Absolutely. So they take credit card data, could be a year in advance, right? I mean, right. and store it. So they're required, just like any company that accepts credit card information, they're required to use... PCI Council, Payment Card Industry Council approved point of sale uh, POS systems. And and those are required to be checked on an annual basis by a third party validator as well who specializes the in The individual
1: point of, point of sale device. Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. Make sure it's uh, PA DSS compliant. So that's, gosh, this is skipping me right now, but. Uh, basically data security standards compliant. So that's done on, a, on an annual basis. You got to make sure the hotel's using the latest version of that, the most compliant version. So what happens is, is that when a, a customer or somebody staying at the hotel calls with their credit card number, it's put into the system and it's encrypted and it's never seen again until somebody comes in and uses their own card mm-hmm. to actually to stay. Or if they swipe it there and then that's encrypted upon swipe on this point of sale... And it's encrypted during transmission. So it's encrypted during storage. There's a lot of controls with PCI that assessors will look at to make sure that the encryption is up to snuff. You're using the right type. It's strong enough. You change the encryption keys. There's limited access to those keys. So limited number of people can actually decrypt the data. So the, the idea is, is that if you have to store the data, it's very difficult to be able to view it. Okay. It's to crack it. So the idea, the general idea of, of best security practices in general is just limit what you have, so there's less to steal, limit who has access to it, and just limit what they can do with it if they do steal it. If you limit what you have, a lot of a lot of companies out there store data forever, mm-hmm. years, because some companies have a seven year refund or they they accept credit cards, you know, and and they keep them forever. That's just how i have always done it. You have to learn to let go of your data when you don't need it, especially medical data and personal data. It's uh, th- those, That goes for very large costs down on the dark well, web. Well, and that's
1: the one that kind of gets me a little bit because um, there's a lot of sensitive data out there, but yet the last thing that a doctor is going to worry about is whether my data is secure. So now they've got to go out and probably hire someone either full-time or a consultant like yourself to come in and help them out with that. But it's just a whole nother thing to worry Mm -hmm. about. And that every business has this concern.
0: Every business should have this concern. Um, Most businesses nowadays are getting that concern,
1: which is good. Now what liability does either a lawyer's office or a doctor's office or a hotelier, what liability do they have to the customer?
0: Well, if you have a breach, if you're a large enough organization, you very well could end up on the cover page of USA Today. That's just a bad business sense, right? Nobody
1: wants to do that. But the only way you're going to know if you have a breach is if someone announces that they have breached you or whether you have figured out that you've been breached.
0: Yep. There's a number of ways. You could also, those two ways, you can also be notified by the card brands saying that they've received multiple calls. There's many, many ways. Um, The dark web is where a lot of these this sensitive data goes to be sold and resold and resold just like an ebay Mm -hmm. i can't remember your question
1: (laughs) um what liability do the individual businesses have to the customer
0: well it's it they don't really have a liability to the customer they have a liability uh, under certain requirements to meet uh industry uh, regulations and also federal and state so privacy laws medical hospitals they have to require with hipaa h-i-p-a-a which is a suite of privacy and security requirements and
1: doctors offices as well yes exactly when are they when are the doctors' offices audited for that Uh, are they audited every once in a while for for hipaa and what what they do with all that data
0: They're supposed to have a third-party assessor come in, or they can do it themselves if they're a certain size. They have to show evidence
1: that they've asserted due diligence. Who checks to see if they've been doing all that?
0: Well, uh, that's been uh, an interesting debate online for the past several years. All the security folks have been, when are they going to put teeth on this thing? Okay, so um, everybody's
1: expected to do it, correct?
0: Everyone is expected to do it, has been expected to do it for many years. It's finally getting some teeth. I think the ransomware that it's announcements that have come out recently where they've gotten hundreds of thousands to even a million dollars out of these hospitals and so forth in exchange to we'll decrypt your data back that's going to urge some people and some hospitals and companies to to stand up and pay attention
1: well you know um like at if i have my identity stolen i really don't know where my identity was stolen from i just know it was i just wake up one day and find out that i have no money in the bank and then i oh my gosh it's been stolen but i really don't know where it i can't go back to the doctor's office or to the subway or to the uh hotel and say i use my credit card here and someone stole my data so therefore you're responsible right but ultimately they are responsible if i guess i understood that if if i can prove that it happened there that they would be responsible
0: Yes, they they should be responsible. They would be responsible. you do you, you do have repercussions in that case to to be on your side. okay. Um, the best thing you can do is honestly freeze your credit. Nobody can really get to it. Um, medical records nowadays is much more valuable than credit card information because credit cards uh, brands have put a lot of uh, detection, fraud mechanisms into place. Plus, if somebody steals your credit card, if you check your credit card account pretty regularly, you, you can stop and you, and you get a new card and you call up your credit card company and hopefully they reimburse you. And I got
1: 60 days under yeah, law. So, under law. Okay, right.
0: However, your medical information, that can be used for identity theft. And you don't, who checks your, your medical records? I mean, you can. How would I
1: know? Right. How would you know? Right.
0: Um, you often know if you go buy a new car and you get declined. Or you get a notice, or whenever you submit your taxes once a year, you get a notice back saying that um, somebody's already submitted under this or social security I number. Just,
1: one day, I got a, my wife got a call from an auto dealer down south of town asking if it was okay if they went ahead and delivered the car. <laughs> well We didn't buy the car. And we called the police office, and no one would help us. Nobody would help us. Nobody wanted to touch it. Now, we don't know who to call. We don't know who to talk to. We get calls like this all day long. We don't know what to do. So, I mean, it was uh, it's a little scary what well, goes on. In
0: that case, the dealer should call the FBI because somebody used sure. fraudulent. Yeah. yeah.
1: You talk about all the risks. Why use the cloud?
0: Because the cloud offers so many benefits to it. And when done right, when you deploy it correctly and use it correctly, it's fairly secure. I won't say it's 100% secure because nothing in security is 100% secure. However, the the benefits you get from using the cloud are, are massive. If you're a small to medium company, you can innovate fat quicker, quicker. you save money, you've reduced costs, you're able to change faster. You can use those, those systems, those servers for testing. you can properly segre- uh, segregate your testing and your development and your deployment environments properly. So you reduce your own, reduce your own, impact or or
1: or if you're a law firm all you got to do is have give everybody a laptop and a dropbox account and boom you're in business you're
0: giving me hives again
1: (laughs) well um and i like the medical thing for example i have a portal now at my doctor's office and i can go in and look at all that stuff and that's Mm -hmm. that's good i would hate to see if someone got into my portal but you know i i think it's fairly secure but we we do trust a lot
0: we do trust a lot. It wouldn't be that hard to get into your portal because you probably log in with a username and password. I can ha- from my I can use my laptop and hack into it right now if
1: <laughs> Yeah, well you can't steal my password. If you if you obviously you might know my username but how would you get my password Wouldn't there's have-
0: many ways to get passwords okay there's password cracking you can buy them online easy you can go online right now and just buy a password cracking tool the more money you pay uh,
1: don't tell me that. yeah
0: and the most frequently used people laugh about it the most frequently used passwords honestly a password or summer 2016 or spring 2016 that's my guys uh, All my hack oh, my pen testers who, who've ever worked for me used to just laugh all the time about how easy it was to just type in simple passwords and they're in. Should I have a
1: different password for every site?
0: Well, you should. However, that's very difficult to manage. But let me tell you about a great tool. And you can use it for businesses too. There's a lot of them out there. The one I personally like, personally like, because it comes highly recommended to me by a guy who's very—he's one of the world's experts on password cracking. So he knows this stuff. It's called LastPass.
1: L-A-S-T-P-A-S-S.
0: Okay. last pass. Okay. It's free, so it's even better. What you do is you download it onto your hard drive and every time you go to a site and you input your uh, password, it can either generate a new password for you and it remembers it for you or you can create your own new password for each site and then it pops up and it just says do you want me to remember this password for you and you say yes and next time you go to that site you just you log in through last pass. Now, can
1: I use that on all my per- like at the bank? Can I use it on all my peripherals if I'm trying to get into the bank's email and everything like that? You could,
0: it'd be a little more complex to set up okay. if you're using it on that type that type of a uh, large scale, but you'd have to also look at the local access controls for that as well.
1: Okay. I, you know, this is just it's so <laughs> scary. You know, and you go to the fact that nothing is even safe at home. Uh we talked about this on one show that you got to have a firewall on your and you, you've got to secure, uh, put up an encryption on your in, on your network at home because mm-hmm. people can go down the street mm-hmm. and, and hack into those. You know, yes. the story in Canada about the police knocked on this older people's door and barged in and tore the house up and said, well, what are you looking for? And they said, well, we're arresting you for kiddie porn. Well, a guy had been sitting out on the front, had been coming by at night, and accessing their server from the street so that's where they thought it was coming from so how many people out there just get real simple with just with the cert with our network device at home have an unencrypted network oh boast right. I mean when I look at available networks most of them are not secure
0: yeah and then you hope that they have a password once you actually get onto their their wireless I think it's easier nowadays to encrypt it, I definitely would. If anybody listening to this show, I would definitely check it. I would also try to hide your SSID, that's the name that pops up. So if you say, you know, my internet connection, try to hide that so you're not even visible to begin with, mm-hmm. if you can. But I would definitely just just check and, and uh, definitely look at what you're using to access websites on, on your computer. Make sure you do have a personal firewall enabled on your computer, it's free. Make sure you have antivirus enabled. You can get free ones out there. Or you can buy right. one like Symantec. Make sure you're not downloading crazy stuff and just do not click on spam. Do not click on the link. Don't fall for spam. It's it's the easiest like we way. I get
1: tested like that all the time at the bank. I failed the last test, by the way. Oh. But, um, <laughs> which I was reminded about in the board meeting last week, but that's okay. Good um, to know. <laughs> but at a, as a business, if you're running a wireless network, in your business you really need to separate that out from what you may let the consumer use while they're in the lobby than what you're using behind the desk correct
0: you should segment it out yes i mean if you look at uh, tj maxx the whole tjx breach that was years ago that that all came from unencrypted wireless somebody is sitting in the parking lots and just hacked into then stole hundreds of thousands of credit cards um and look you know just got into so they had
1: one one wireless for the consumer plus for the for the inside the office as well Everybody was hooked through the same wireless
0: it was all integrated Uh, they didn't have sufficient segmentation controls in place
1: well that just sounds stupid to me (laughs) well okay um
0: i think they learned their lesson
1: okay well um tell you what we've and we're we're at the the end here but it's been a Interesting conversation. We probably need to do this again. I guess what I continue to learn when I have conversations out about the subject is there are people out there right now as we speak who are trying to steal my data. Yes. It's what they do. It's how they make a living.
0: Yep. Or for fun.
1: Or just for fun. But they're trying to steal it. So just assume that your data is trying to get stolen and act accordingly. Yes. Whether Don't trust. Whether you're a law firm, whether you're a medical building, whether you're a hotelier, whether you're uh, a community bank, whether you're a fitness center, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you're someone's trying to steal your data.
0: Somebody right now is trying to hack into right this radio station. All it. right,
1: Olivia, this has been a great conversation. <laughs> and uh what <laughs> just a nerd <laughs> oh, mic there. right they're saying ding 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 ding. what can we steal what can we steal well they want to probably commandeer our voices and get out some kind of message right <laughs> just for fun i'll give you as uh o'reilly said i'll give you a last word give us uh 10 seconds of wisdom here at the end and then tell us how to get in touch with you
0: my, my 10 cents of wisdom would be what i just just said just don't trust data is a very expensive commodity. It is a commodity nowadays. Just guard it. Lock it down. If you do have it for yourself and for your business, restrict access. Try not to save it. If you do have to save it, then save it with a trusted third party or encrypt it or use very limited, very restrictive access controls to it.
1: And as a small business owner, you have to worry about it. Absolutely. You can't ignore it and hope it's going to go away
0: because hackers now see opportunity with small companies because the big companies have started to figure it out small companies though are ripe for the pickings
1: i got the same data the big companies have they do if you're a law firm a doctor's office i hate to tell you this but you're getting hacked i mean someone's trying to hack you right now and you're responsible to safeguard my data yes all right how do we get a hold of you
0: Well, you can uh, call me anytime. I'm at 404-663-9000. That's 404-663-9000.
1: And an email?
0: That is my cell phone. My email is Olivia, O-L-I-V-I-A, at CloudSecure. That is CloudSecure with a Q instead of a C, .com. Or you can visit my website at www.cloudsecure.com, Q-L-O-U-D-S-E-C-U-R-E. And I'm always happy to chat
1: well thanks and uh it's been a great conversation i'm glad you're here and um i hope we've scared everybody (laughs) because we need to get scared i'll help you that's our show this has been on the money the number one small business show on business radio x presented by embassy national bank be sure to follow us on twitter at on underscore the underscore money and then the number one and you can listen to our shows by visiting onthemoney.businessradiox.com or download them for free on uh, iTunes. And we're also up on the Business Radio X Gwinnett YouTube channel, so you can watch a video of the show shortly. So, um, again, thank you, Livy, for being here. And Until next time, I'm Joe Moss of Embassy National Bank, and um, we're going to add a fourth thing here. Be careful out there. Leave fear in the backseat. By the way, we didn't talk about you starting up your own company. We'll have to do that next time. Stay authentic. And the last is safeguard your data. Well, that's our show. I appreciate everybody listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.